You are on trend with the Alumni Trending Podcast. My name is Paul Clifford, and throughout my career in higher education, my mission has been to connect alumni to what they love most about their alma mater and to activate them in ways that support the aspirations of the institutions I have served. As advancement professionals, we are leading a movement, a mobilization of alumni in support of education for a lifetime. On this podcast, you will hear the voices leading our profession, advancing our institutions, and keeping higher education strong around the world. You are going to learn and be inspired by the passion and purpose driving these advancement professionals right here on Alumni Trending. What's up, trendsetters, and welcome to the Alumni Trending Podcast. It's good to be back after taking the month of April off to recharge, and we are starting May off with a bang. Uh, we have a passionate leader and author with us today. Steve Mezzacapa joins us. Steve, how are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing, Paul? It's great to be with you, with you today. It's great to see you again. I'm going to tell the folks a little bit about you, but Stephen is a graduate of the Pennsylvania State University where he earned his Bachelor's of Architectural Engineering degree with a concentration in construction management. Uh, it was during these five years at Penn State that the vision for Passion with a Purpose was born. Thoughts for such a, an organization and, and ultimately a book came to Steve's mind early during his freshman year, and he's going to take us through that journey of how his experience as a student really led to the work that he is doing today. Uh, it was really over the course of the, that next four years that this dream would not only become a reality, but that the vision would be expanded. Uh, and today, now that vision includes the launch of his new book, Passion with Purpose, The Fire Within, which is now available on Amazon and a number of other platforms. We'll let Steve plug the book in, in just a couple minutes. But uh, Steve, talk about the origin story for Purpose with a Passion. Yeah, so I'm glad you started with this question and even with the introduction, which thank you so much for that too, um, because it, the, really, this book, the origin started as early as my freshman year, you know, and, and the book I wrote now that's printed is is different than what I envisioned as early as my freshman year, right? And, and kind of how it all started, and I think many listening can kind of understand what college culture is like. And one of the biggest things I noticed up front when I was in college was this culture of like peer pressure, right? And And like this barrier to really be authentic. And I realized that, you know, one of the most important things when it comes to living out where you're passionate and about being passionate and pursuing purpose is, is being authentic. Right. And if you, you come along the lines where you're stuck and you want to have friends and you kind of given this peer pressure, you kind of losing that ability to be truly authentic. And not only you're not being authentic, but you, you kind of losing out on being your true passion itself. So this is kind of, this is like how it all started as well as my freshman year. And, you know, all throughout college, I got really involved in a lot of extracurricular activities one of them being Engineers in Action, which was formerly uh, Bridges to Prosperity. And this organization is a student chapter of a national organization, and it builds pedestrian footbridges abroad in isolated communities. And, and you know, from early on in my college career, I really realized how amazing it is and how impactful it could be to when you could kind of apply your passion about to have a purpose and impact others, right? So then this whole idea of passion and action was born of, okay, well, how do we get other students at Penn State to really find what they're passionate about and then go do it and have a purpose, not just here at Penn State's campus, but abroad and in the world. How, how do we 
really scale that. And that's when the organization Passion with Purpose was born as a club on Penn State. And and early on, it was, you know, it was a tough club to start because we wanted to do something so abstract, right? You know, sometimes, you know, when college students come to college, there's so many different things to do. And we really wanted to get students to really get deep and kind of do a lot of self-reflective and self-inventory things of who they are and what they want to pursue in their life. So while all this was happening, and, and Paul, feel free to cut me off because I'm giving you the, the long story here um, so, so the audience could really understand really how it all came to be. So coming back here, so so as I'm progressing through my college career, you know, while I'm starting this club, Passion with Purpose, I'm also following my passion, as you will, um, to build buildings around the world, right? My biggest dream since I was a kid, being from Staten Island, New York, was to build tall skyscrapers around the world, right? And that dream finally came true. Um, you know, my final summer before starting my fifth year of my architectural engineering program, I was, you know, I got an opportunity to intern on a skyscraper in, in Mexico City, an international 50-story high-rise, and the dream was there, right, right in front of me, and I was experiencing it. And then it all happened, you know, I, I, it was, it ended up not being what I expected it to be, you know, and I thought I was going to be so fulfilled, so excited, and so happy, and I wasn't, you know, and, and it really, it really messed with me. It, it, it made it really challenging. And all of this was happening. I was right ahead of going to Mexico to work on a skyscraper. You know, I was named a new face of civil engineering in the whole country, representing Penn State in that and, and you know, other accomplishments. And it just didn't make sense. I was like, why am I so unfulfilled and not happy? You know, I've worked so hard. I've, you know, done the right thing the past four years in college. You know, I'm, you know, I felt really successful and I had a great community, great friends. Everything seemed great on paper, but inside, you know, I was struggling a lot and, and kind of this, this, you know, achieved dream met with unmet expectation and a lack of fulfillment. It really affected my mental health, you know, and in coming into my last year of college, it maybe changed how I looked at what passion is, you know, are we really supposed to follow our passion? Like what is passion? You know, is it a hobby that we do, you know, like how do we overcome mental health struggles in life? So I'll pause there because there might be some questions within that. And I'm sure we'll dive deeper in some other areas. Yeah, well, let's let's dive right into that because, you know, every time people give us advice, right? A lot of times that advice circles back to follow your passion, right? If you do what you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. You have a little bit of a different take on that, though, instead of following your passion. Share a little bit about what your take is on on passion and and how you go about experiencing that. Absolutely, and 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 pretty much my, my first chapter in the book is entitled "Don't Follow Your Passion," which creates definitely a tension point. And and like you said, you know about the advice because I've been given that advice. I gave people that advice. You know, I remember reading an article in college when I was starting Passion with Purpose, and it was an article of "Don't Follow Your Passion." I was like, "This is a load of rubbish. That's not true." Like, you know, you want to follow your passion, but what what I realized is if we follow our passions in life, it's it's driven by emotion and feeling, right? And our feelings are malleable and they're they're impacted by the environment and the people and they change. Our feelings are going to change over time. So, you know, I can be passionate about playing high school football, right? But if that's who I am, if that's my identity, what happens when I go to Penn State and I can't play football, right? Like, you know, like it, our passions are going to change over time. But my take on passion now is that it's not something you really want to follow, like it's a hobby, but it's something that's already within you that needs to be cultivated and sustained and ignited and it's malleable and it can be fostered. And it's not something that you do or find, but it's something you could really apply to the things that you feel called to do in your life. Because if there's one thing I've learned now, you know, being a postgrad, you know, four years into the real world is that life's tough. You know, it's, it's challenging, it's complicated, nothing comes easy. And, you know, I think culture paints this picture on social media that fulfillment 
is having achievement, wealth, glory, all these things. But, you know, what if fulfillment is really all about the content of where your peace is internally, right? If you could, if you're really channeling your passion in the things you do, you know? Absolutely. You know, Steve, throughout the book, you're pretty open about about the challenges that you've had with your own mental health journey and how that has actually was was actually a, a light bulb moment for you in terms of how you thought about passion. You just talked about it a little bit earlier in your opening segment, thinking that the sky, skyscraper would bring you all of this fulfillment and and what a kind of eye-opening experience that was for you. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your your mental health journey and how that relates to experiencing passion in your life? Absolutely. Yeah. So so one of the the other way, like, and it's kind of, and it kind of comes back to the question you asked previously too, of my take on passion. And I really take passion as soul health, right? Passion is a soul on fire. And, and that's how I really look at what mental health now is. I, I look at mental health as soul health, not just the mind. And something I talk a lot about in my book is that the soul, human soul has three faculties, right? It comprised of our intellect, our emotion, and our will. And, and breaking these down for a moment, our intellect is really our organ of thinking and what thoughts we entertain each day and our organ of emotion is the feelings and affections and desires we have. And then our, you know, our faculty of the will is the decision-making and our choices that we make. Right. When, and when we look at mental health, it's not just the mind and the brain chemistry, but we look at feelings, decisions, and thoughts. You could really pinpoint where things are coming from and why you could be struggling in certain areas, right? And I go deeper in the book with this, but to come back to my story with it, you know, I had dealt with anxiety for most of college leading up to my, my last year of college. So, you know, it wasn't just the, the achieved dream without fulfillment. There was definitely some anxiety that I've dealt with for for major point deal of my life. You know, I come from, you know, my parents were divorced at a really young age. And I talked about some other challenges I had growing up that kind of led to some of the mental health struggles I had um, in my book. But so, so, you know, I struggled with some anxiety, some depression early on, but then that last year of college is when I really was really wrestling with some severe depression, you know, and I talk about some of the statistics in my book and even looking at college institutions alone, you know, one of the stats I mentioned is that depression is the most common health problem for college students, you know, depression and anxiety, you know, it's, it affects a lot of us, especially the college students, you know, and I was definitely right there with it and, and the story of this book really even also, not only does it kind of confront, you know, society's definition of passion, but even mental health, right? I think there's a lot of ways to look at mental health and we've come a long way in in science and technology and addressing mental health. But I think there's also spiritual undertones when, to when it comes to overcoming issues with mental health and emotional health. And, and that's what, what I really enjoy about defining passion is not something you find and follow, but something you build and experience. And on top of that, defining it as soul health, you you kind of remove that stigma. And I think we've done a good job of removing the stigma in society when it comes to mental health. But I think when I when we redefine passion as soul health, you could take ownership of who you are to really work through your struggles. You know, I'm I'm really happy to share and blessed to share that I really don't deal with too much anxiety anymore, I, and even depression. I really don't deal with a lot of it anymore because there's hope. And you know, I talk a lot about you know my book definitely is is a faith based book you know, being a strong person, I really, you know, my faith means a lot to me. And, you know, I talk a lot about that book, but it really helped me come a long way in my journey with mental health and depression. And in my last year of college, I really didn't know what the future looked like. I was like, am I going to feel like this forever? 
and it wasn't an easy process. It took quite a few years to come on the other side of it. Um, but in my book, I go in a lot more detail of, of what really helped me kind of work through a lot of those things. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I want to give our listeners a little bit of perspective on that, though. You keep describing your your last year uh, as a student here at Penn State, and that's really when you and I got to know each other a little bit. And and folks, let me tell you, if if Steve was struggling with some of the things that he's talking about struggling, you would never have been able to tell. He was one of the the top student leaders on campus outgoing and gregarious. And I think it's an example of you always, you you don't always know what people are bringing to the table when you're interacting with people. And so uh, while I was always impressed with, with Steven and our, and our interactions, uh, it wasn't until later and until I learned more about this book. And and even I remember you sharing some of these ideas during your last couple of weeks on campus. I was, I was one of your, your last meetings at, at Penn state. And I remember sitting at the Fraser street deli and you sharing some of these things that had you not shared it, you would have kept it concealed um, to us. And we would have just, you know, I would have never had known some of the struggles. And so was, was masking some of those things that you were dealing with the way that you got through your fifth year here and the way that you dealt, um, with your, with your mental health as a student? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I definitely, there was definitely some masking and then I was definitely vulnerable with some, I definitely had a support group, but I didn't let too many people in on it, you know, cause I, I didn't really know how to ask for help or get help. You know, I'd work with, you know, psychologists when I was at Penn state and, and psychiatrists, but you know, I had a few friends that were aware, but, um, but when I look back, it was, I definitely did some masking. I tried to hide it as, as much as I could. Um, but then there were some groups I was pretty open about it. I was like, look, I'm struggling. I don't feel right. But you know, it, when I look back, it was, it really felt like it was a journey with God when I was really walking through it. You know, I, I can't, you know, there were some friends that were really there for me. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, people coming alongside with me, getting in that hole of the pain. Cause I don't know if people are really enabled or equipped or empowered to do those things, which is okay. Um, but I definitely did some masking. Like I remember th- thinking when I danced in Thon, you know, I, um, no one knew. And, 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 and one thing I'll, I'll never forget is, you know, I was on medication for my anxiety at this point. And there's a, there's a couple hours with Thon where they tell you to go take your medication. And, and I was, it just hit me. I was like, man, I'm like at the happiest place in the world right now at the dance marathon with these kids, these stories and, just so, so much spirit here. And I'm like, man, I'm going, it's it, no one, no one knew about that, but, and, but it was tough. And another story too. And I messed it. I'll never forget it. When I was at the um, Penn state, Ohio state game, when we, we beat them and, and stormed the field, that was, I, I was struggling that day. No one knows this. And I, you know, and I'm thinking about it and, and, you know, and, and I still was able to experience it, but I, I sometimes looking back, now I, I'm happy it happened, but in the moment, it's like, man, I wish I was a little more present. I mean, I was definitely mass, not many people knew, and even homecoming. That was another experience I had in my last year of college where I definitely, I don't think anyone really knew what was going on in, inside of me. You know, I talk about it in my book. I remember being on the field in Beaver Stadium and just all the shouts, and like, I just couldn't bring myself to the moment because I just was so succumb with all the stuff going on inside me. So yeah, I definitely didn't make too many people aware, and you know, and I think a lot of a lot of people do that. I, I think there's so many people struggling around us that we don't know. And that's why I talk a lot of my book about the three words of inspiration, encouragement, and empowerment and why it's important that in every, you know, conversation we have with someone, every interaction, we're always loving and empathetic because we, we don't know anything what's going on. In someone's life. we might think we know, we might even think we know the best advice to give them, but when someone's struggling, they just want to know like, Hey, I'm here with you. 
Like, I got you. Let's walk through this together. You know, this, you don't need some magical inspiration. You know, you just need some edification, which is just comfort and empathy, right? And and those three words I mentioned again, inspiration, encourage, and empowerment. You know, it's it doesn't require a certain personality type to really motivate someone, encourage someone, to lift someone up. It just It's just all about love. One of the best ways to love is just by encouraging someone. Right or empowering someone, getting you know, giving someone the resources that they need, you know. And interestingly enough, and I talk deeper in this in the book, those three words, inspire, encourage, and power, all correlate to the faculties of the soul that I was discussing earlier. So there's there's some there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot of stuff there. So um, over the years, I've become friends with Jim Stengel. Uh, and for folks who might recognize that name, go out to uh, your podcast app of choice and listen to his award-winning podcast, the CMO podcast. Jim is a chief marketing uh, guru, if you will. And he talks about how his company, how he and his company help brands tap into their purpose, right? And so when I when I think about the book that you have written, it's not just passion and experiencing passion with no direction. I think it's the the purpose with passion that actually brings a focus to how people kind of experience their passion. Talk about the intersection between passion and purpose. Yeah. So oh, there's a lot of ways to take this question, but what's coming immediately to my mind is another way that I define passion in the book is when I go back to the etymology of the word passion, which literally means to suffer, right? And it's, which is really interesting. No one really talks about it in that context. But the reason why I, I bring it up here to tie to purpose is because sometimes we suffer in life and we think, why is this happening, right? What's the whole purpose of this? But one of the biggest purposes of a suffering is it creates an opportunity for you to really relate to someone. And really empathize and have impact, right? Because when someone is really struggling or needing help in whatever area, whether it's mental health or it's like a business struggle, any of those things, it's really impactful when someone's walked through the struggle that that person's encountering and, and come alongside them. So, but aside from that example, you know, this, this intersection of passion and purpose is, is huge because, you know, a lot of people say, follow your passion, that's your purpose. But like you're saying, you want to you want to you want to put the passion into the purpose, right? You want to do the purpose with passion, right? And that's why I say, you know, we define passion. I define passion now as not something you follow, but something you build and cultivate because it's something you could apply to what you do, right? I really like to say that passion is all for the symphony of your thoughts, feelings, and choices really channeled to doing what you're doing, right? It brings a lot more intentionality and focus and drive. So, and in life, we're going to have all different types of purpose, right? Our, our career is just one aspect of it. If, if you're a parent, if you're a brother, a sister, you know, there's purpose in everything that you do. Every conversation you have, there's purpose. And that's something I really try to get across in my book is that because if we tell people you only have like one purpose in life, you know, don't pick the wrong career. Like things happen, like career this is, career changes happen. People want to do different things. The, the whole idea is to understand that in every area of your life, there is purpose, and you're going to do it with passion, no matter what it is in a situation that you've been called to or you're planted or what you're going to do. And when I say you do it with passion, I'm meaning that you are really doing it with intention and authenticity, right? Because through the sympathy and, and the, the, you know, the action of your thoughts, feelings, and choices internally, that's what really energizes, you know, that calling of purpose. 
Stephen, if people are interested in learning more about the work that you're doing or about your book, where can they get information about that? I think the easiest way is to just go to my website, which is um, passionwithpurpose.life. Um, and then they can connect with me on, on any social media, Stephen F. Mezzacapa. You know, I'm always happy to talk with people one-on-one and um, hear about their story. And, and if there's ways that I can help, I always, you know, really have a heart for people even that have dealt with mental health because I'd love to help anyone there. So with, through my website or any social media. Absolutely. And we will make sure that we put those links in the show notes here on the podcast. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the Alumni Trending Podcast. Paul, thank thank you so much. It's been great to catch up and, and talk with you. Thanks for having me. I'm John Fudo, Vice Chancellor for University Advancement at UMass Lowell, and I'm staying on trend by listening to the Alumni Trending Podcast. There you go, Trendsetters, another episode of Alumni Trending. If you are enjoying the Alumni Trending podcast, make sure you go out to iTunes or your podcast app of choice and give us a rating and drop us a review. We'd also love to hear from you. Drop me an email at paul.clifford at alumnitrending.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and keep trending. Trending.